It takes a second to like. Join. Oh, there, there it is. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome to DTR Comics Podcast, where every week we talk about a different collection of comic books. I am Dallas Taylor, and I'm T. Summerhays. I'm J.P. Levi. Have we said our last names before? And we're here to talk about Spider-Man. What was that, T? Have we said our last names before? Have we just destroyed so. our internet anonymity? Uh. I, think that's I mean, we've given them our Instagram and Twitter bios handles before, so I don't know how anonymous we've been. But yeah, that did feel a little weird. I think that's the first time we've ever done last names. Yeah. Weird. Um, well, everybody, be patient with us. This is our first not-all-in-the-same-room podcast, actually. Where JP's in far away land, I am far away, and T is far away. So we're all talking into our mics over Skype here. We hope it turns out really well. It's, it's worked out well on our interviews that we've done, so shouldn't give us too many problems this time around. But JP, we're so happy to have you back. Talk I'm to the so people. So happy about to what, be back. Talk to the people about what's going on. Um. Well, I have. Uh left utah for the summer i'm just doing work uh sales and that's been interesting but i'm so happy to be able to keep up with people via internet i guess i think everybody's been kind of getting used to that with all this um crazy corona stuff and whatnot going on in the world right now everything's kind of gone digital and distance so you know it's a great blessing that we can do that still keep in touch and um still connect even though we're not all together yeah as terrible as everything's been like what better time to go when we all already are used to just talking over skype anyway (laughs) you know sweet how about you t what have you been up to i just moved this last little bit and that's been fun i haven't done a lot recently like i i think about that i'm like i've just been doing busy work and yeah, nothing exciting. I'm going to out T everybody. He's been making a YouTube channel, and it is phenomenal. I've watched all of your videos so far, in case you didn't oh, know. Well, thank you. I am one of those views that you see. I liked, <laughs> I liked the most recent... Um, oh, heck, what's that game called? The Rogue Dead game Cells. that you just did. Dead Cells, yeah. I thought that was pretty slick. I liked that. And I've been sending it to people. Um, You're... You're competing with my number one fan spot with my younger brother, so oh, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm coming for him. I'm, I'm moving up in the world, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. So this goes out to all seven of our listeners every week. If you want more fun content, T is doing a video game YouTube channel, and it's phenomenal. Um, as far as I go, I'm currently reading Preacher by Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon, considered by many to be one of the best comic books of all time. It is never going to make it to the podcast because it is so not either of your two's thing. But it is very, <laughs> it's very good. I've been liking it a lot. But yeah, I was reading it. I was like, man, this is great. I'm never going to talk to T or JP about this because that is, it's just not their thing at all. But that's a... You talked to us about it. It's interesting. But then it's kind of like, eh, we're not going to show you that. Yeah. Um, other than that, I just got some new stretchy yoga pants yesterday. Because I've been going to yoga a lot, and I've never really owned Ooh. exercise. Cl- I've never really owned exercise clothes before. I've always just been like, uh, basketball shorts and an old t-shirt. And now I feel like I'm a top tier gym rat. Now you're a so, new man. Yoga pants. I know they're phenomenal. They're so stretchy. It's gonna be amazing. But I think that's probably enough non-comics media for the people on our comic book podcast. Uh, do you want to intro the book, JP? Okay. Yeah. So. I don't know. I picked this one. I was super excited because I love Spider-Man so much. And I think this was the first Spider-Man uh, comic that you had me read um, when I asked for a Spider-Man recommendation. I'm pretty yeah. sure this was the first one. Yeah. Um, and it's the story of uh, Spider-Man and Gwen Stacy, which as far as like the Spider-Man movies go, um, you know, they're all great. But uh, I remember 
Emma Stone, she is oh, she she's my celebrity crush. And so Emma Stone <laughs> is Gwen Stacy. She's been oh Jake's celebrity crush since <laughs> junior year of high school. Yeah. That, that tracks. That tracks. So Spider-Man Blue being all about Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker, I was like, heck yes. So I was super excited to read this. It was fantastic. We're going to talk some more about that. And um, yeah, I hope you guys, when you read it, enjoy it as much as I did. Let's just hop right into that. Let's say, who is our favorite Spider-Man girlfriend? I mean, there have been about a billion of them, but I mean, the two big contenders are Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane. Like, do we... JP, is your favorite Gwen Stacy? Yeah, I mean, uh, MJ, she's cool. Uh, and I know that her and Peter, you know, they're they're together a lot more. But, you know, Gwen Stacy was uh, Peter's first. And I think, like, it, it, oh, man, reading this, it's really fun. Because he writes this to MJ about Gwen Stacy. And, yeah, she's just special. I, I, I don't even... I, I don't want to spoil this for anybody. And so just like, just read it and it's phenomenal. Yeah. See, um, and for me, I don't know that I have a favorite because Spider-Man, I, I really loved Spider-Man growing up, but growing up, I loved him because he could climb on walls, you know? And I never <laughs> was like, ah, Spider-Man's romantic interests, who, which. And so I haven't read enough of the comics to like make that claim. So I'm I'm sitting this debate out. Yo, all I have to say is that when I was reading along and I came across Amazing Spider-Man 121 and 122 and I read Gwen Stacy's death, I, I died inside. When Gwen died, I died. And that's all I have to say about that subject. Um, I kind of feel like Spider-Man Blue right now where my wife is sitting right outside in our living room and I'm in here like, Gwen Stacy is the love of my life. <laughs> like exactly what Peter does in this comic. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Spider-Man Blue, it was written by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. It was part of the Marvel, Marvel Knights run, where those two creators came together and they made three different series, Spider-Man Blue, Daredevil Yellow, and Hulk Gray. And this was, as far as I know, it was after they sort of came to fame together on Batman The Long Halloween, Batman Dark Victory. And so they reprised all the same creators that put those together, but Marvel had them come and make books about their most popular characters at the time. So that's pretty much where we're at with Spider-Man Blue. But yeah, like, T, do you want to give like a quick rundown of the basic story here? And then I guess we can talk more about specific beats and what we like about it. Yeah, so the plot behind this is that you have Spider-Man reminiscing about some of his earlier time as Spider-Man, particularly about Gwen Stacy, because I believe it is Valentine's Day. And so you have him recording into a tape recorder his thoughts about these things and then having flashbacks that kind of tell the story with him narrating it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, perfect. And so these cover the classic issues of Stan Lee and John Romita Sr.'s run from like spider-man 49 to no it's 39 to 50 about is what gets covered right here and it's a class it's a retelling of the classic peter parker falling in love with gwen stacy storyline and in here we have the introduction of mary jane watson with the classic door open reveal face the tiger you just hit the jackpot and it's so fun to read this as a spider-man fan because it's it's sort of a retelling of one of the greatest stories of all time with one of my very favorite creative teams of all time, right? So, like, not only is there the fantastic Stan Lee story beats, but we get to have the, I guess, I don't know. How would you describe Jeff Loeb's writing? Because, like, when I think of Tom King, I'm like, oh, poetic writing. When I think of, who else have we even done on the podcast? Like, Kyle Stark, it's very funny, comedically timed writing, you know, like, as how would you guys describe the writing of Jeff Loeb? JP should talk because I'm going to open up a can of worms when I talk. Perfect. I, I I'm not sure really how to describe the style. I don't know. Um, I don't know what kind of 
sticks out to me is how, you know, because I'm a bit neuter to the comics, I remember um, how much, like, it's a lot of Peter commenting on the story as you read and you watch it happen. There's, like, what's going on in the actual story, but then there's Peter just kind of, like, this is Valentine's Day, Peter reminiscing about what's, what happened with uh, with um, Gwen and MJ and all that. Um, and he's sad because he's remembering Gwen after she's dead in the, like, in the side comments on the side. And so it's like you're watching it all happen, but you're also, like, hearing Peter just to the side as Spider-Man uh, as he's, um, like, forlorn and uh, melancholy about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I like that. All right, T. So, what is your can? What's your can of worms? My can of worms is I. This comic didn't particularly stand out to me. What the? Which I know isn't it so surprising, especially because recently I read the sequel to the Long Halloween by the same author and artist, which I loved the Long Halloween, and then the sequel is called Dark Victory, and it was so good. It was one of like the best mysteries I've ever read. Like I was like, man, this is what detective comics is all about. Like it really Mm -hmm. was a mystery and I was so surprised about it. And like the twists in it were fantastic. The characters were great. And I didn't feel that same magic here. What the heck? All right. Break it down for me. What, what do you feel like is missing from Spider-Man? Do you feel like you just resonate more with Batman or you feel like there was something going wrong here? Well, I feel like part of it is in Batman, it was a mystery. And I really was curious about it because it didn't make sense to me. Um, and then... I, I, I don't even really quite know what it is. It's hard for me to say, like, this is why this didn't resound with me, Spider-Man. It, it was like a really solid thing that was just like very pretty normal to me like it i i do appreciate like the themes of like oh you have this old love and it didn't work out but it made you a better person i think that's great and like the people that make an impact on you that's really important but i don't i don't know it didn't like stick out to me in any particular way and i don't know how to say like here's why it didn't all right jp it's up to us we gotta combat that what did you love about this jp so willing to hear it (laughs) Well, I don't know. One thing that I really love about, like, it's called Spider-Man Blue, and everything is kind of in that blue, um, in those blue tones. So, mm-hmm. like, just the illustration itself kind of sets that mood. And the whole thing is blue because he's remembering Gwen that died, his first love. And I know, like, that is the feeling that you get reading the whole the whole thing. And so, I think I don't know. I I. I've, I connected with that because, like, I mean, it sucks when, like, relationships and stuff don't work out. Like, that's that's the color of that feeling. It's, yeah. like, pale blue of, like, oh, man, that just, like, sucks. I get that. And I really think, it like, this is one of the most Spider-Man-y Spider-Man comics ever. Like, this is the one that I like to give people because Spider-Man is basically... Like, the big thing that Stan Lee did with Spider-Man in this era, I mean, prior to this, it was very much like, what if the sidekick wasn't a sidekick and just the teenager got to be a hero, right? Like, Spider-Man kind of invented that. And we love that with the Teen Titans. We love that with any number of other heroes. But the real, the trailblazer there was Spider-Man. And when Stan Lee decided to age up Spider-Man into going to college, it really became unique in that first and foremost spider-man is peter parker like you follow the life of peter parker and spider-man almost gets in the way of the life of peter parker and so it really reinforces that idea of like with great power must come great responsibility so peter he wants to go on dates with gwen he wants to hang out with his friends he wants to provide money for aunt may to help her live but he consistently has to put his own needs on the back burner to go and be Spider-Man. And so I think for me, what's really resonated about Spider-Man has always been the relationships 
and Peter Parker's life and the action is just like a fun sprinkling in that as well, you know? And I think Spider-Man Blue, more than anything else, any other Spider-Man story has what I'm looking for, where like Peter has a very specific relationship with Gwen Stacy. He has a very specific relationship with Mary Jane Watson. He has a very specific relationship with Harry Osborn or even Norman Osborn or Flash Thompson, you know, like I know what his relationship is like with each of these people. They have interesting dialogue that builds their relationship. And it feels like a very real world that Peter inhabits that Spider-Man puts into jeopardy, basically. And so, like, I got everything I was looking for out of this comic as far as interactions and character pieces. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe... Maybe it's also because like both Dallas and I were just so much. I don't know what what are your feelings on Spider Man T? Because like I really Spider-Man love him. Spider Man is my favorite superhero. I mean, okay, then, may, yeah. At least know. historically, like it it may have changed recently. Like I really really did love the um, Tom King Mister Miracle, and I was like, man, that there are things about this hero that definitely resonate with me, mm-hmm. and so. But like historically, growing up, Spider-Man was my favorite. And the fact that he was a kid and he was trying to balance those relationships, that, that was really fun for me. I think one thing now is it's a little bit hard for me to read because I see it as like not super healthy all the time. Like, and I realize that that's kind of the the moral quandary of like Peter can help people. And mm-hmm. so he does have a responsibility to do that. But so often the people close to him get hurt because he's not making them a priority. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's kind of hard. And I think that might be part of it. It's a little bit hard for me to, to sit through that. Um, but I mean, that that's the thing that we're all supposed to think about is like, okay, at what point do you need to say, I need to take care of myself? And at what point do I need to save the people that need saving? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, there are some times when you're reading Spider-Man that you kind of just want him to have a win, you know? But like, at least in Spider-Man comics, that's not, he's never given that break, right? There are very few, like one of my most, one of my favorite recent Spider-Man stories was all about him trying to be there to see Mary Jane off because she was going to go to L.A. to go shoot a movie because she's a movie star in the comics right now. And so he was, like, really excited about it. He had this whole plan, and he's like, nothing is going to get in the way. And he was being, like, super proactive in his crime fighting to, like, make sure that other people were going to be spotting him and he was going to be able to go help. And then stuff came up, like, right before. And so he ended up missing seeing MJ off. And it was, like... It was interesting to see their, first off, their character growth, because, like, young Peter and young Mary Jane, like, it would have been a big issue, right? But, like, older Peter and older Mary Jane, there's much more of, like, I get that this is who you are. It's not always phenomenal, but, like, your heart's in the right place. And I guess, you're right, like, it's not always totally the most healthy choice in the world to have Peter putting all of his own problems and relationships on the back burner to go like save a cat out of a tree you know but like i think that's also one of the most endearing things about peter parker is that, like his needs come last i mean you can see it in his like his job working for J. jonah jameson like he puts that money towards aunt may he's always thinking about the other people around him and so like even the slivers of time he gets away from spider-man it's hard for him to spend that time selfishly you know and I think that's a really endearing trait of the character. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's, yeah, that's definitely one of the things that I really resonate with and admire about Peter. And I guess it is a lot of the superheroes as well, but, like, Peter's just more relatable, I guess, because of his situation. Mm-hmm. Um, that, like, even with everything going on, like, whether it be school or dating or Aunt May and family and stuff, like he's always putting other people before himself, which, I mean, yeah, that does turn out feeling like it sucks a lot, but I, I just respect him so much more for it. I agree. Right. 
Here's a question for you guys. Which moment in the story do you feel like emotionally impacted you the most? Ooh. Um, I don't know. All of the like the not flashback bits, like the current day Peter parts hit me like a ton of bricks. Like I have been teary eyed from this book so many times. Like, but I think the two big moments for me that like really sweep me off my feet, I'm pulling it up on the screen right now. I love Peter and Gwen on the motorcycle from issue one. Oh yeah. To that where Peter, Peter's talking about like wanting to be in the in crowd, wanting to be noticed, wanting to basically metamorphosize from shy bookworm high school Peter Parker into cool, confident college Peter Parker that got to to date Gwen Stacy and have friends. And I love the line right before this iconic image is he's like, maybe popularity isn't something with two wheels you can buy at a store, but right about then it sure felt like it. And then we see him pull up on his motorcycle and Gwen hops on the back and he says, Gwen Stacy, all kinds of amazing and like mm-hmm. my heart soars right then and then in issue six when it's kind of the culmination of the story honestly but when gwen reveals that she's the one that wrote the valentine to peter and they embrace and he just says gwen stacy my funny valentine like again my heart soars and i feel like those serve as really great bookends to the relationship where we're shown but like Peter takes steps to be more brave, more brash to get to get Gwen's attention. But then also like Gwen puts herself out there as well to to be there for Peter. And those are my two favorite moments. Like those are kind of the two peaks of the story for me. How about you, JP? I'm looking through right now to try to remember since it's been a minute. Um I can keep flipping through. Cause see it it's interesting. Well, JP, while you're thinking about that, that mm-hmm. was actually one thing that I did like about this story was how much of it was about Peter Parker learning to date. Especially because I feel yes. like so much media isn't like that. It's kind of like you have these two odd extremes where it's like you have the shy people and the players. And then they kind of solve that by like two people meet and they find out they're destined to be together. So they're going to, so it's going to like work out, but that's not how like dating and relationships are. So often it's like you go on a date and you're bad at it and it's uncomfortable and you are not really sure how it's supposed to go. And I love that you actually see that with Peter here where it's like, at first he's like, this is not my thing. And girls are showing me attention. I don't even what what do I do? And but then he like gets better at it, and I feel I really enjoy that because it's it's a very everyman thing, and which is Spider Man's thing is that he is just a guy, and he doesn't understand that wait girls do like me, and the things that I've been doing are paying off. I guess. Mm-hmm. I I think one of the most iconic scenes of the whole thing is after Peter gets caught out in the snow all night and he's sick. And MJ and Gwen both show up to like play nurse, basically. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I love the line when he's like, I honestly could have hallucinated the entire thing, but this is my story and this is how I remember it. And it's like <laughs> the two of them trying to like woo him. And I love that he's just like he sees the two vultures fighting outside the window and he's got like bros paradise right here, two beautiful women doting over him, and he's like, Oh man, Uncle Ben gotta go out in the snow and fight these guys again mm-hmm. like i think it's a very spider-man moment it's a really fun moment as well have you had a chance to think jp looking at looking through this yeah i think i i really did like that the um like the peter like it's like finally starting to work out for him and he uh like he's got both mj and gwen just like doting over him when he's sick but then you know, Uncle Ben, like, I got to go do, I got to go take care of uh, Vulture out there. And 
Mm-hmm. Oh man, like it's giving up like <laughs> the perfect situation to go do what you got to do. Which man, yeah. Um, I don't know, but also just the death of Gwen. I think that was the biggest thing for me, probably. Yeah, just like when it would flash forward and talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty special book. Um, I think so. Like this is a, a phenomenal Peter Parker book, but I also love it as a Spider-Man book because so much of the Rogues Gallery is present, right? Like he fights Rhino, he fights the Vultures, he fights the Lizard, and then like the big reveal. Yeah, he fights Green Goblin right off the bat. And like the big reveal of the villain at the end is really fun as well. I don't know that I want to spoil that for anyone that hasn't had the chance to read this, but... Can I be honest? I had no idea who that villain was. What? You don't know who that villain... Is it because he hasn't been in a movie? Hmm? Maybe. It, It very well could be. Wait, which one? But see, like, I'd, I'd played different Spider-Man video games and, like, watched a couple of the television shows as well. And see, I he showed never... up in, like, Spider-Man number nine or something, though. Like, as far as the comics go, he's one of the very oldest. Well, let me look that up. <laughs> I love how we're talking about this person just, like, silently. So, like, you don't know who's the bad guy. Uh, yeah, Amazing Spider-Man number 50. So year two of Spider-Man ever existing, this character first appeared. So, Also, there's a very real chance he's going to be the villain in the new upcoming Spider-Man movie. Fun fact. Hmm. So maybe you'll did, did, get to know him a little are bit. They, did they end up back in the MCU? Yes. Yeah, so Spider, Spidey's still going to be in the MCU. They... Realized they could make oodles more cash together than they ever could apart. That's good Are we that. surprised? We're not surprised. And I honestly think the drama was a little bit to stir up um, hype and sales again. But that's a little bit beside the point. So, you know, it's another part of this. I, I asked you guys the question. Now I'm going to answer it myself. Another part of this that I really did like was his relationship with the lizard and how it's like, Here's somebody who is his actual friend that he like mm-hmm. works with and cares about mm-hmm. who can hurt him and hurt others. And he still stands by him and tries to make sure that his life is going well. Yeah, I do love that. I love as well that the spider kind of serves as this foil to Spider-Man where like an accident in the lab created superpowers and all these amazing things for Spider-Man and for the lizard, it made him into a monster. Right. But similarly, because of this accident, both of their personal lives are affected and hurt. Right. the people around them are hurt because they can't know what's going on. And so I I always thought the lizard was a really, really interesting parallel to Spider-Man and one of my favorite villains. Yeah. Like I'd never seen them as friends before. Yeah, that's it's kind of sad that that wasn't brought about in that amazing in the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man with the lizard. Um, did you have a favorite villain, JP, or a favorite Spider-Man moment outside of the Peter Parker drama stuff? Um, the lizard, I think, was also kind of the most interesting for me. Mm-hmm. Because I think, yeah. That friendship, despite them being kind of like enemies, uh, I don't know. It they're not exactly enemies, but but yeah, I don't know. It's it's a really interesting relationship that they have because there's like friends that work together. Uh, they help each other out and different stuff, but at the same time, when it goes all lizard and has to get taken care of, like Spider Man has to step in and make sure he doesn't like hurt anybody. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like an oddly real life thing, but with superheroes where it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, sometimes your friends are going to have a hard time. And you know what? We've all got weird things and sometimes we're even self-destructive. But he's got a friend who like knows 
this is what makes him self-destructive and here's the solution to that and i can go and actually solve that as we've talked about it, it's like an oddly human thing but it happens to be chasing a giant lizard man through the subway tunnels of new york before his family mm-hmm. shows up you know it's right yeah and i again i think that's what's so magical about spider-man i mean i love batman i love the long halloween i love dark victory but bruce wayne is a like a, almost a side character in the batman mythos right and these characters harvey dent is the closest thing you have to a character that maintains any sort of humanity and so it really does become like the mystery and later on like the bat family interactions between batman and robin batman and batwoman and batman bat, bat girl you know that this almost extended bat family is what helps ground it. But Spider-Man's never had that issue. Like, I mean, even the green goblin, we know he's Norman Osborn and Norman Osborn has things that make it sticky to be the green goblin. Like we never lose the grounded reality of the Spider-Man universe. And it really is always just about the human characters, which I like a lot. And they really tackle a lot of human issues in Spider-Man. Yep. I think I think personally one of my favorite bits of Spider-Man Blue is the characterization of Mary Jane Watson. Um what did you guys think because I mean I my first exposure to Spider-Man was the Sam Raimi films, right? As a little boy. Yep. And mm-hmm. so in that Mary Jane's primary role is to scream and be grabbed by Spider-Man and swept away, right? Like she's pretty milk toasty if I'm going to be honest. And so when I first went when I first went to the comic books, I was shocked because Mary Jane is such a dynamic, fiery character, right? She has this huge, boisterous personality. She's very much like, Oh, Peter, like, keep up. Come on. Like, I'm the exciting, I'm the life of the party is Mary Jane, which is not at all what showed up in those films. That, right. But I yeah. think is done phenomenally here in Spider Man Blue. So I guess my question is like what how did you guys feel about the characterization of Mary Jane here? Yeah, I think I had that impression a lot as well. Like my first exposure to Spider-Man were the movies and like, yeah, it was more, a lot more Peter, like sweeping around for feet and um, I don't know, MJ's a lot more like submissive, but like in the comics you see, like she's kind of the one wearing the pants in the relationship. Oh, for sure. For sure, yeah. He might have <laughs> the red and blue long johns on, but she has the pants of the relationship. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, to see that much stronger personality on MJ, I don't know. I, I, I really liked it because, I don't know, it's a lot more interesting than the um, movie version of her. Yeah. It's kind of like, if you had to describe movie MJ, it's like, ah, sweet and kind. In comic book, MJ is like edgy and flirty and a little mm. bit dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't feel like they could have gotten any farther from the source material with the casting of MJ. But mm-hmm. that's, that's a separate issue. Um, I don't know. I find... It's funny. I first fell in love with Spider-Man in... I mean, I always loved him as a little kid, but I would say... Batman was probably my favorite character. But I fell in love with Spider-Man in high school. And what's funny is, like, I I feel like I almost followed this pattern of Spider-Man where, like, the girl I decided to date in high school was, like, very smart, kind of snark. Like, she was very much like Gwen Stacy, if that makes sense. And I have since married someone that it's no mystery to the two of you. Like, certainly wears the pants in our relationship. They are very small pants. She's a very small woman. But... Like, she's a firecracker. She's much more assertive. And so, I mean, that might be some of my own bias. Like, I love reading Spider-Man. And I love when Mary Jane's done so well because, like, I have fallen in love with a very assertive person, right? Someone that has a lot of personality. Someone that's the life of the party. And, like, she's not just waiting there staring out the window like, oh, when is Spider-Man going to come back? You know? Like, she's right there in the middle of the adventure as well. And so I, I especially love this scene in issue three when Peter has to go to stop the lizard. And so he says to MJ, Oh, I've got to go. 
the cops are fighting the lizard. I got to go take pictures. And everyone else is like, oh, man, that's so crazy. And MJ is like, so long, boys and girl. Catch you later. And mm-hmm. she grabs Peter by the tie and drags him along to hop on the motorcycle with Peter to go and help him track down the lizard. And I think that's so, so fun to see Mary Jane right there in the center of it all and almost like dragging Peter to go be Spider-Man. Yeah. I love down here in this panel with the police officer and Mary Jane. It's like, how you doing? Me? Unhappy. And how can New York's finest make you happy? I mean, this is kind of a drag, isn't it? I've got places to go and people to see. I love just the flirty distraction of the cop as Peter sneaks by to go do some Spider-Man antics. It's phenomenal. Was MJ like that? Like in the new video game that everybody was kind of talking about, she didn't seem to be like that same powerhouse. She still kind of seemed like, I'll support you and be nice. I didn't love that MJ, honestly. I thought that she was still way ahead of the movie MJ in as far as like being her own character and having a personality. But like, I still don't know that I've ever seen outside of the comics, a good adaptation of Mary Jane Watson and what makes her so great. You know what else I like about that is I feel like there's this, there's kind of like a temptation of like really attractive, successful, flirty people. We tend to, you know how we kind of like always dehumanize people that we don't understand a little bit i feel like that happens with really attractive successful flirty people you're like wow they're like so cool and out of my league and i don't you don't think of them as people as much so i like that there's a character and it's like no we're gonna put this person in here and you gotta sit with them and learn it and we're not gonna like fetishize it this is just like actually who they are yeah and i really do appreciate that i like it too i every character in the spider-man universe and particularly here in Spider-Man Blue, feels so unique and human, you know? Like, Flash and Harry are such different people, but they're also very believable real characters, which I think is a strength, not only of the characters that Stanley created, but the writing of Jeff Loeb, specifically here in this comic. Um, Back to, I guess, moving away from Spider-Man and more just towards this individual comic, can we talk a little bit about the art from Tim Sale here? I feel like this is a master class that we get to go through looking at this pop art 60s inspired story from Tim Sale. Yeah. So when was when again was this uh, written and and illustrated and all that? So the original story was in the late 60s, early 70s from Stanley and John Romita Sr. And so that's Mm -hmm. where like the fashion and the characterization and the style comes from. But the book was written from 2001 to 2003 by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Okay. Cause, so I read this, and I think I read some um, earlier, much earlier, like beginning uh, Spider-Man comics to read like mm-hmm. the actual story of when Gwen Stacy died. And then I also read a lot of the more modern stuff with, uh, um, it's not the amazing, was it the amazing Spider-Man? Yeah, yeah, you read some of the yeah. slot run. And it's really cool because this one, like this, like the illustration in this uh, series, like it pays homage to the older stuff, but mm-hmm. it also has a lot of like, I don't know, it's like kind of modernized a little bit and like it just looks a lot nicer. I mean, nothing against the old stuff, but it looks way nicer, but it's still paying homage to that older style from the 60s. Oh, yeah. I think such a beautiful example of homage here where Tim Sale, like, he's really leaning into that retro 60s vibe, right? Mm -hmm. But the lines are so crisp. The colors pop right off. And I think, I mean, I've loved here on the Marvel Unlimited app being able to look at every page in sort of this collage. And you can just see, like, the beautiful pastels. You can, every page is a work of art. It's, I love it. I think it's interesting as well to see how different the color palette is here than in the Batman stories that we've read from yeah. the same team. Like, there's no bit of noir here with Spider Man, right? 
because that's not part of his character at all. Yeah, it's a lot more happy and bright and upbeat. But it surprised me because it's like it's bright, but it's still a little bit muted. And I feel like that's a really good creative decision because it is like a flashback, you know. And some mm-hmm. of the old like '60s comics, they're like bright, like steer your eyes a little bit bright. Right. Oh, this, yeah, yeah. It's it's not like sepia, but it's like just a little bit muted, and so you can it kind of helps keep you in perspective of like, oh, this is him remembering all these things. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm looking here at this page with the lizard climbing up and just seeing the scale details on his hand down in the bottom right corner of the page. Can you see guys mm-hmm. see my screen? Yeah. That is just yep. crazy. The line work and the shadows and the coloring and like the various shades of green that are right there on the lizard's hand blow me away. You know, I feel like there's a level of craft here that I haven't seen many other places. It is bonkers. But then, like, on that same page on the top right, it's, like, just really simple, but mm-hmm. um, kind of reminds me of the older style of it. Like, it's just simple Spider-Man. I don't know. Like, they go from... Um, I feel like they've got the great balance of just... Uh, I don't know how to say it, but, like, they, they leave out the detail and they just give you kind of like the picture as it is with like the simple colors um in a panel like that in the top right and then on the bottom they've got all the detail like the scales like you're mentioning um even like the ground and the railroad track it kind of it goes into a lot more detail on those and so like just the use of both like the simpler style and the more detailed just goes really well being able to switch off between the two to keep it interesting yeah, I would agree. T, with you having just read Dark Victory, how do you feel like the art style on this compares to that other work over in the Batman universe? See, honestly, I really like the Batman stuff a lot better because it's drawn to be striking. Like mm-hmm. they'll have these huge tone differences and it'll be like a lot of silhouettes that really makes me stop. Mm-hmm. This feels like it's meant to be digestible. Like it's all kind of serving this storytelling purpose of this is somebody flashing back and you're seeing these images that were very iconic, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make me stop quite like the other one does, but it's still really good art. Oh yeah. I think it's just you're trying touch- to do something different. And I feel like it does that really well. Yeah. I think you're touching really well on one of the huge strengths of the story. And it just has to be the, the readability of it, right? Like Spider-Man Blue is something you can sit down and read the entire thing in one sitting. And there are no awkward skips, no awkward jumps, no nothing that stalls you out to make you try and understand it. And again, I think that's speaking to the quality of the craft that's being presented here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do we have any final thoughts on Spider-Man Blue or anything we want to talk about before wrapping up? I'm sorry that I didn't love it as much as you guys. It's okay. That's a theme, T. Oh. It's a theme. You you hate good things, you know. It's... <laughs> I like want to disagree with you, but it does seem like I am the odd man out a little bit more often than not. It's all good. I think that we look for different things in stories. I think me and JP are a little bit more drawn to these like the superhero storylines, you know. <sighs> and you're a lot more drawn to like the indie darlings that we look like that we look at and there's nothing wrong with that you know like i think you're yeah it's like there's definitely some overlap like i still freaking love superman up in the sky well that's because that's a perfect comic book (laughs) yeah yeah but yeah i guess i don't know because i've been reading preacher and i think it's phenomenal it's got a lot of great social commentary got a lot of great character work right but like i'm really looking forward to reading the classic flash run after right it's like i almost look for these palate cleansing superhero like everything's gonna be good everything's gonna be okay back to the basics yeah like i just feel like i get so worked up in looking at real life like if you're listening to this as it comes out you know as well as anyone else the world is a very very scary place right now and a lot's going on and Mm -hmm. I find myself getting really worked up and like really worried about what's going on. And so sometimes it's nice to just turn off my brain and be like, 
all right, time to watch Spider-Man punch a lizard in the face, you know? And, and like, everything... Yeah, like, everything's gonna work out because the good people are good and good guys win. And sometimes looking at history or even the news right now, like, it's hard to believe that good guys win, you know? And so, like, right now is not the time to want to read a Jeff Lemire, the saddest man that ever sadded story, you know? Like, I kind of like to see that. I like just looking at some Spider-Man pop art and being like, everything's going to turn out okay. And look at these crazy kids falling in love. Love conquers everything. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really do love the superhero comics the same. Um, like one, I feel like superheroes were, it's interesting because like they're made to be relatable, even though it feels like something so, impossible like in actual life like like what are the odds of somebody actually having superpowers like that in real life like it, it it's an it's a fantasy but like those same feelings that they have as superheroes of like i like the world is ending and i have to do something about it or um or i could just let it let the world end like i don't know i feel like we can feel that in everyday lives too. Like in our own ways, like the world's ending, we have to do something about it. Or like there's somebody that needs our help and like only we can do something about it. And so, I don't know. I, I love that it makes me feel like I, there's more that I can give, that there's more that I can do to make a difference. Even if I don't have superpowers or anything like that. I don't know. It's just inspiring to me. And I think that's why I like uh those Marvel superhero comics so much. I would agree. You want to give it a rating? And yeah, so I'm down. I no, I was just gonna say, and like again, I I love all the books that you bring to the table too, T. Like I think that everything has its place, but I also I think that I fell in love with the idea of superheroes, and so books like this will always have a place in my heart. Just mm-hmm. kind of like JP saying. Yeah, and I still love reading them because it's kind of like I love seeing other aspects of culture, even if I don't like get as much out of it. It's important to me to see other views than just the things that's like, ah, all my greatest hits that never make me think and I love already. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Ratings, like you said, T. Um, This might be a five for me. I'm not going to lie. Like, it's very hard for me to give perfect scores five star rating here but every time i read this book i love it every Wait, so you're saying five stars for a second i thought it was five, five out of ten and i was like no. oh shoot five stars <laughs> 10 out of 10 this is a perfect score from dallas taylor and i understand that is a hundred percent bias there is 100 this is my favorite spider-man is my favorite character of all time favorite fictional character Tim Sale and Jeff Loeb, some of my favorite creatives ever. I think they do phenomenal work. There is no ounce of not bias that exists in this rating, and I am okay with that. Like favorite creators, favorite superhero, favorite story, favorite nostalgia. Yeah, this is this is <laughs> Black Tar Spider-Man, straight to the veins. 10 out of 10 from Dallas. Okay, then I think I will go because I, I'm... I don't want to like be like IGN here and just say like everything's a seven out of ten. The worst thing I've ever played is a seven, um, <laughs> and so I think that I would give this one a five out of ten. Uh, that's okay. You can do that. Like oh, it, it was, boy. it was like really solid. It felt like like a very middle of the road. Like I've definitely read worse things, but I've definitely read things that resonated with me more. I I figured I'd go second. So JP can round us off on a positive note. Well, I can't exact. I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out like my reasoning for the not quite 10, but I put it at a nine and I don't know how to um, put it in words, what it's lacking, but like, I don't know. Superman up in the sky was like a perfect 10 out of 10 because it had everything. Uh, And this one, like it hits me in all the same, like I can feel it resonates with me on the different feelings and stuff. Um, But it doesn't quite inspire me as much as like that Superman up in the sky. 
so maybe that's it um though I, like be... i resonate with it but yeah maybe it's just like a different story might get that 10 out of 10 like it i don't know jp have you given anything a 10 i mean i realize you haven't been around as long but i'm curious up in the sky was a 10 okay I mean, yeah. I feel like the tagline of this episode on Twitter will be like, come listen to the comic book that we said wasn't as good as Superman up in the sky. Four different <laughs> times. I feel like we could say that about pretty much every comic. Oh, mm-hmm. Guys, I just got the hardcover of Superman up in the sky. My pre-order finally showed up. It is stunning. I believe I, Man, I yeah. Jealous. I've got the hardcover of Up in the Sky and Batman Universe now up on my shelves. They are beautiful. I do. I am sad that my single issues live with JP now, but they are in a good home. And hot damn, those hardcovers look beautiful. And that's all I got to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> this has been the growing moment from Dallas Taylor. Well, I, I'm happy to have them now. Like, I'm proud to say that those are like the first comics I've ever owned. And the fact that I get to share them with other people as well, I don't know. Like if I get the chance to share them with people, I do it, and I'm excited to keep doing that because it's such a great comic. Oh yeah, that's what this is all about, and that's honestly why we do the podcast. We love talking about comics with each other. Most of all, we want to share important stories with you guys that choose to listen to us. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's all we've got. Do you guys have any yeah. final words for the podcast? Don't think so. All right. Um, yeah, for the live listeners out there, stay safe. Uh, yeah. Look for the yeah. good in the world. Just try to be a positive difference. Yeah, I'd say stay safe, be kind, and uh, I will say Black Lives Matter is what yeah. Dallas Taylor has to say. Um, be loving. Don't be racist. Look, Be like to Peter. Look for things you can actually do. Yeah. Don't just post black squares on social media. Make sure you're actually trying to make a change. And... There it is. There's our politics moment there at the end. Love you all and talk to you next week. So long.